The opinions and hypotheticals expressed in this episode are just that. They are not presented to form a conclusion or be accusatory in any way. So please, don't hunt us down, government. By George, I think I've got it. Hydrosexual sinking. I saw that Bigfoot walking across the screen and I thought to myself, wow, they are real. I ask us all, is that really reasonable? Hydrosexual sinking. My personal belief is that uh, there is very compelling evidence that we uh, we may not be alone. I'll show you a little of the evidence. Hydrosexual sinking. Researchers at Stanford University School of Medicine have pioneered a cancer vaccine that eliminated all traces of cancer in mice. You could find evidence of that, my friends. You could change the world. Hypothetical thinking. A podcast for the hypothetical thinker. Greetings, travelers, and welcome to Hypothetical Thinking, a semi-informative podcast. Yep, that's right. It's semi-informative. Uh, that explores the journey from probability, from Johnny's toe up through his kneecap, back down to his shin, and out his belly button. Woo! My name belly is button. Nick Floyd, <laughs> and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Taylor Nelson. I am Johnny Clark. And the way this works is that either Taylor or myself will do the research for our weekly episodes, and Johnny, sweet Johnny, Johnny McJohnster, the donut, goes into <laughs> every episode completely blind, <laughs> sort of like Splinter the Mouse. Completely meaning- blind! He has no idea what we're covering each week, but today is different. We are, Taylor and I are actually co-hosting and doing the research for this episode together, and we will find out why soon enough. I'm Dude, still blind. we're a stronger team than Dennis Robin and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like, oh, we're damn. coming at these people <laughs> hard, double dragon, what? Dude, back Dude. to back, fists up, ready to do some tornado kicks. Damn. Taylor, or Johnny, sorry, Johnny, who's the best duo of all time? Best two of all time? Yeah. Like Batman Robin kind of thing? Yeah, that's Taylor uh, and We're I. talking Michael Jordan, <laughs> Scotty Pippen type people. <laughs> we're talking all four Ninja Turtles, except if there were only two of them. All four, but in one. Yeah, one, two, technically. <laughs> uh-huh. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash big. We're talking about Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal big. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're talking Chuck Norris and the kid from Sidekicks big. We're whoa, talking whoa. the three ninjas, except if there were only two of them. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's Three ninjas, four. Gotta get the bro back. <laughs> That was insane. <laughs> but, 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 oh, there's, we can keep going. Do you guys have like a list of these things you're going to right, right, right through? Well, so that's a change, but I'm still going to this blind. That's that's consistent. Yeah, no, the whole point is not every. it's different, but it's the same because you're blind as a fucking different, bat. But still same. Yes. You will uh, hold our hand and we will lead you through the darkness. To the and light. It's gonna get, to it's gonna the get light. Dark. It's going to get real dark. Real dark. Uh, real dark. Real dark. <laughs> like spooky dark. Okay, spooky. But before it gets dark, Taylor, you got any news for us? Dude, I got a little bit of news. Uh, just a little sports recap of what's hey, been going on. Hey. I was I was gonna probe here and see if maybe Johnny could give us a little oh. a little update. What, what's going on in the World Cup right now, Johnny? It's going on the World Cup right now. Well, yesterday we had a great game where it was Brazil versus Belgium. I thought Brazil was gonna win, but uh, Belgium definitely won. Um, Nick's giving me some hand signals. I can't really follow what he's looking, but I'm going to keep talking. Tell him to move the mic closer to your damn face. Uh, is that better? Right. <laughs> so, mic. so uh, England versus Sweden today. England won. I thought that was pretty surprising. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is not in the Sweden team. He's a great uh, footballer, but he's not in the team. They've gotten a long way, Sweden has. Oh uh, England beat them today 2-0. I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, yesterday, there was a, a Brazil own goal, uh, which is fascinating. In the last World Cup, they had a Brazil own goal against um, Croatia in the opening game at Brazil. A lot of things are going crazy. You know, already um, Spain's out. Already Germany's out. Italy didn't qualify. United States didn't qualify. 
Brazil wow. is out. All these crazy things have happened. Dude, Only my f- brain is just like melting. France <laughs> and England are the only. Oh, yeah. France and England are the only teams that are five star in the semifinals going forward. Uh, oh, if Croatia, Russia uh, win or 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 Belgium, it's gonna blow people's fucking minds. Because in the last, I think like I think any oh, World God. Cup has been won. It's Taylor, only been a done? five. It's only been a five star <laughs> team that's won. So that's that. That's the uh, recap. Uh, what gets you games, five stars? What gets you five? Yeah, five it's just stars. a rating between your attack, midfield, and defense, including your goalkeeper, and like a, a FIFA World Cup rating. So like eighty. Okay. 85s uh, and up are five stars in attack, eight, and the same thing for oh, mid and defense. Oh, gotcha. Okay. It's yeah. like when a well, movie's real good on Netflix. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of like a... <laughs> it's a Rotten Tomatoes score. You give it five stars. It's a gross <laughs> estimation. and um, 85 yeah. is pretty low. Like, if I could have got an 85 on a test and got an A, man. But then again, there You're are no hundreds. You're getting A's, bro. There are no hundreds in, in the, the world of sports for... There not be. Michael Vick doesn't play soccer. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so no, some some actual big news in the world whoa, whoa, of soccer whoa, whoa, whoa. here. That was big news. So uh, last Saturday, not not two days ago, Saturday, but the previous Saturday, uh, we'll say nine days ago. However many fucking days that is, math math wizards, math <laughs> wizards, get your calendars out and do some adding here with your protractors. But protractors. <laughs> last Saturday, June thirtieth, two thousand eighteen. Two giants were on the fucking field. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Lionel. 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 Lionel, like the train. Very similar. (laughs) So these two guys are arguably arguably the biggest soccer Uh, stars on the planet. Of all time, you say? Uh, People will argue that Diego Maradona from Argentina was the best of all time. He won a lot. He won the World Cup. But right now, it's, it's... like speculated that Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi are the best of all time. Better than Pele. Better than the redheaded guy with the afro. Better uh, than uh, Mia Hamm. Wait, the guy <laughs> with the than afro. Beckham? <laughs> can they can they bend it like Beckham, some Johnny? They, some of these people have great moments. Like I talking about Alexi Lalas, the redheaded guy. Some of these people have great yeah, moments, he, but but hair was amazing. The best like uh, Sports Illustrated pictures of all time. He's actually kind of a, it's not important. But anyway, yeah, I could give less of a like the I, I give less of a shit right now than I did about Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. But people well, deserve, deserve to care about that shit. Dude, yeah. Uruguay versus Portugal, France versus Argentina. You got the two biggest players possibly in history facing against each other on the same fucking day. Apparently both those teams lost though, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, they, they were inversing each other. They were playing different teams, but they both lost. Right, they were in different right. sides of the bracket. Oh, uh, my God. Both on the field at the same time in, I guess, Russia or whatever. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. you would think. Dude, you'd think. The world is watching, right? Everyone well, no, is there. <laughs> Diego Maradona's watching. <laughs> They're watching. <laughs> but um, you know what the, the world's most watched in-person match on that Saturday was in the entire fucking world, Johnny? Oh, shit, I know. Dude, it? I know you know Nick. What is it? The there were 71,930 people in attendance. Yep. Mercedes-Benz <laughs> Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia, oh, what? June 30th, 2018, son. Oh, That's not man. even the highest attendance of the season for ACLU, dude. Didn't they Didn't they play Orlando City? Dog. And they probably won. I don't even fucking know if they won. They probably won. <laughs> two World Cup games simultaneously going players, on with the two yep. biggest soccer stars of all time. <laughs> Simultaneously, that's it. Took all that just to match and top a little bit the attendance of one 
Atlanta soccer team. Wait, the, 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 wait, the right attendees. Now. That's crazy, that, that, dog. That doesn't matter at all. Yeah, your stadium's oh, big. That doesn't matter a damn thing. Bro, the average matters. stadium is They don't even open people. up all the seats, man. It, we could have more. We could have <laughs> more, Tay, bro. Tay, Tay, the average attendees for a soccer match in, in uh, professional <laughs> leagues are 70 grand. Especially World Cup games. Besides the final stadium, like you have like the Olympic Stadium. That's because they're stuck in Russia, bro. Exactly. They build these in like years. You know, they're it, there. They, they go fast, fast, fast. And People they are there to watch the game. You can't, Atlanta man, is just a choice. You can't have you know, 80, <laughs> Yo. 80 plus people, 1,000 people in, in a stadium. That's like crazy. So, You're talking about earthquakes, man. We're, earthquakes are happening in Atlanta. ACLU. Okay. We just want to throw a shout out to our first, uh, our four official supporter clubs. We got the Footy Mob, we got Resurgent, Tournaments Legion, and the Faction. Those are our fucking our, our official supporter clubs, man. And ATLU all day er day. So we got the top four highest attendance Tay, wait, in all question, of Major Tay. League wait, Soccer of really, all time, dog. I have a really good question, Tay. Out of those Ask players, I'm, I'm sure a lot of those <laughs> players are international um, uh, accounts. I'm sure a lot of people are, are international trade-ins, and they're from different places. Why are if there's so many people in that team that are so good? Why aren't they in Russia playing for their for their countries? Maybe they are. Maybe they're sense. not. I don't know. Oh, they're, they're not, Tay, because they did qualify. Because um, through those players from because they're countries. playing for the greatest team in the world, ATLU. So. ATLU boy. International international play always comes first between clubs. Uh, that doesn't make sense, Tay. So if they're that good, no, why aren't they sense. in Russia playing it, and qualifying? It makes sense. Seventy-one thousand nine hundred thirty people say that this is the best team to be on the field in the world <laughs> Many on June thirtieth, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> Dude, I'm sure Taylor, that's you only Atlanta up, people. Taylor, you opened up Pandora's box, my friend. Millions of people this say is, this World Cup is this way is back. pre-episode, and he's already strung out. I care about this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. All right. Wow. He looks like a Muppet on Sesame Street right now. He's like on his phone. He's trying. He, he's well, shout out to our supporter clubs for making us the best soccer team in the world. You guys are, have a good team. You guys have a very good team. I can't think of a better team in the United States that's come up that fast, that early, and done that well. But you shook Johnny. He shook. Not but, only can uh, you not think of it, Germany. you're not going to be able to find it. The info it exists. Does exist. and it, well, it does exist, and it's well, in the it form of ATLU. <laughs> Simple as that. All right, well, I can't say much. Germany lost, yeah, like, li- literally yeah, in knockout stages. you can't stages. say much. I can't say yeah, shit. Yeah, refute it. Refute it. You can't. <laughs> you can't. But you should also be supportive of the United States. We didn't even qualify today, so... Hey man, I I recognize. <laughs> hey, Dempsey's an American, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Clinton Dempsey. Yeah, see, boom, I know an American. <laughs> boom, son, I named yeah. Mia Ham, bro. Parisage Mia Ham's an American player. Tim Howard. Isn't and... Mia Ham from Bennett Like Beckham? She oh is probably God. in that movie. Probably. Okay. That was Fact. like heyday, Mia Ham. Well, say I'm I'm happy you're so stoked about. I'm just happy you're stoked about soccer. You know Fuck that yeah. makes Thanks, me happy. Man. But I don't want you to knock the World Cup standings. This is going to be like she's about to be a really great fixture this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to have something to, to care about, you know, with our Mercedes-Benz Stadium before football season starts. You know, we got like hey, two Tay, you think you think uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure if the World Cup's coming to America in the near future. I'm pretty sure it might. I'm not positive. To if Atlanta? it does, do you? Well, that's what I'm saying. Would you be supportive of Atlanta being taken over by a World Cup fixture? I, I wouldn't mind that at all because our Atlanta. Uh, supporter clubs would probably come out in mass, and uh, yeah. there'd be red and black everywhere, dude. You got to remember, Tay, though, there's a lot of deficit that comes from a World Cup game, you know, or World Cup uh, uh, standings. You have a lot of things like that, that, that grow, like stadiums, but a lot of deficit to your economy, so you got to understand, Tay. This would be great for your guys' publicity, oh, God. but it would suck. Uh, Taylor, Bro, you- in the next two years, we've got the Super Bowl coming to Atlanta, 
Uh, it's proposed that the Olympics, we're trying to get the Olympics back here in yeah. like the next 10 years. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. National Tara. championships are here, man. Like, Atlanta's the spot. Come come Tara. have your championship here. We Tara, will handle you, that shit. Tay, are you part of the, or one of the supporter clubs? I don't know nothing about soccer, Nick, but maybe I should join <laughs> one. Maybe I should join one. Wait, I want to join footy mob. And, and I want to join with, the footy mob. You know, and with that said. Oh, my God. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, footy mob, let me news. in. Come on. Dungeon Footy fan Mob, for life. Sponsor our podcast. <laughs> so, so something happened on Friday, uh, because it is Monday right now that we're recording this of podcast. Of course it's Monday. <laughs> something happened on Friday we shared on our Facebook page. Uh, we went live. We shared a live video of uh, <laughs> one Danny Coughlin, who got a special delivery from the Hybros. Uh, it was something very special, and... Whoever watched that, whoever has who's watched it this weekend, and asked themselves, <laughs> why'd you guys send him a butt plug? And <laughs> did why you say you... butt plug, Nick? Yeah, I said butt, butt plug. plug. He said butt plug. <laughs> why did you send him a butt plug? That's a good question. With your logo on it, and I, you know what? I'm going to give you a very brief rundown. We got a big episode today. We can't wait wait to dive into. But I want to give you a very quick rundown of why we sent him a butt plug. So in April. Which is quite a while ago. Very long ago. The Hybros got an email from a company called Love Plugs. I'm only going to say it once because it is a real <laughs> company and I don't want to give them uh, publicity unless they're paying uh, yeah. for sponsored Big ads. Bucks. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, so, so Danny forged that he was. Yeah, so Danny had this going for about a week where he said he was writing these fake emails to us saying. They're interested in paying for ads. He wrote a fake ad, blah, 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 blah. And after a short time, like, we kind of caught on to it that it was Danny, but he, you know, he wanted to have a, a face-to-face Skype chat with us and talk logistics and blah, 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 blah. And then finally, it, he, he, he couldn't handle it because we were drawing out the FaceTime so long with this quote-unquote love plug company. It drove him mad to where he actually revealed that it was him the whole time and blah 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 blah. It was a good it was a good spoof. It he, was a good riff. He got real us, good. And then you both got me and kept it going. Oh I, yeah. I was on a flight talking to Taylor about like, logistics of a sponsor and Taylor was like, no, nah, Judy can be really good. And I thought it was real for like days after you guys knew it was fake. <laughs> yeah. So we kept it going because, you know, we love to spoof Johnny. And it all was well. It was done. The joke was funny. We laughed it off. Uh it was it was fine and dandy. And flash forward to <laughs> last Friday. Yeah, last Friday. And we secretly uh, found a custom branded butt plug company on Etsy.com. And we, <laughs> we, we popped the Hybro logo on it. We got his address. We told Danny we were sending him some exclusive Hybro stickers. Our he first test shipment of first for test our shipment. future subscriber box. He believed it. <laughs> he went live thinking he was doing an unboxing. And little did he know, he unboxed, yep, you guessed it, a butt plug he had from no hybrothetical thinking. He had thinking. no idea. No idea. So, guys. It was so funny. It was hysterical. <laughs> now that you have context, go back, watch it, check it out. Uh, that's it. You know, we'll, we'll post the emails, screenshots of the emails. I still have them. We'll post the emails on our Facebook page for you to read uh, for yourself to kind of see how it all unfolded. But so, to encapsulate this, point. Nick, just so everyone gets this clear. Your friend Danny Coughlin all pranked us all, saying he was a fake sponsor, and we Correct. found that out. And then months later, we sent him that exact type of sponsor like <laughs> package yep. to him. He had no idea he opened it. We turned the tables. Exactly. That, that's what the whole thing is encapsulating. Yeah. And, and, it was and great. this item was something that he would stick up into your rectum. 
Let's just butt. make sure that's clear. Into your butt. That, that's if what you it, didn't know. It's not a sticker. It uh, appeared to be uh, a stainless steel, perhaps some type of a titanium. Yeah, it was like it was polished uh, to a spectacular luster. Apparently, it's reported that it is useful as a paperweight, and also if you chill it in the freezer, apparently, you put it in your cocktail, and it keeps your drink cool. That's wow. a lot. And of, it won't a, melt. Taylor, how often do you use these products for other things besides butts? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, he's multi-purpose. 101 ways to use a butt plug. I don't he's, know, man. A box of these... I clicked. I thought I clicked one. A box of these fuckers showed up. I got a hundred <laughs> butt plugs. What am I gonna do with a hundred butt plugs? You get pretty creative, dude. Uh, oh. He was so flustered though. He couldn't say his words. He kept saying we're. Uh, uh, he was a hypothetical thinking. A semi-importative podcast. Importative. <laughs> it was so funny. At the end, he called you himself can, a podcast. It was so funny. check. Yeah, you check see the, the look out. on his face when he realizes oh, what it he is. He was shocked. Oh yeah, we we roasted the the master roaster and. That's the bottom line. So we're super excited about that, guys. Check the video out. It's super funny. Uh, but for real, though, we got some products we're going to roll out for soon real, that, are, that are not butt plugs. Uh, we have some shirts coming. Zero butt plugs. We have promise. some stickers But if you would coming. like butt plugs, uh, go no. ahead and send us an email. Uh, let us know <laughs> that that is possibly what you would like in your uh, your surprise subscriber box. I don't condone. I don't condone. I don't condone. I'll put anything in that box that you want me to. Anything, As long as we're not crossing borders, anything can go. Taylor will put a blood sample in there if you want it. <laughs> hair sample. Hair samples. The hair samples are expensive. I'm not going to lie. But blood you're, samples you're, are damn near free. Your, your uh, hair samples? Yeah, Taylor doesn't want to get cloned. We don't. We, yeah, that there's only rough. one Taylor. Yeah, there's we, only we, one. It's possible to clone. If you clone me, let me know at least. We ha- we need his like magical powers. If someone else gets a hold of him, the world will go crazy. We, so we need his powers. Oh. We're not sharing Taylor Nelson. We're not sharing. So before we jump into the episode, I have two brief disclaimers. One, I want to remind everybody uh, of our subtext, of our the subtitle of our podcast. We are a semi-informative podcast, meaning we are not going to spend uh, multi-parts, hours and hours on something specific. We're going to give you the, per- the perfect pieces of information that you're going to need to make your own hypothetical yourself, uh, make enough of one for ourselves, and, you know, move on. Um, but this is a big episode. There's tons of information that we're about to share. But like I said, we are going to share the relevant pieces of information that are needed for us to form our hypothetical. Um, so with that being said, also, the following story contains graphic depictions of self-mutilation and discussions of a potentially falsified suicide. Whoa. So listener discretion is advised. Oh, um, oh, oh, that's balls. I, I just want to preface this by saying I have had multiple people, friends and family included, saying this is like from last week. This episode can touch on something a little too crazy, and they've yeah. warned me about that. All I say is I can see one exit in front of me right now, and it's behind Nick Floyd. So if the government's coming to kill me, I only have one way out of here, and I'm not going to make it out alive. No, he'll, no. If any, if anyone gets taken out after this one, it's going to be Johnny. What? Yeah. Why me? You'll find out, Taylor. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no windows in that office by design. Possibly. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. It's just one of your, your, your high bros here. I uh, just wanted to pass along a, a 10% savings at futuremonsters.com. Uh, if you're into the Wolfman, if you're into Frankenstein, King Kong, Dracula, uh, you can go to futuremonsters.com and you save yourself 10% on any of the high-quality threads. Uh, they got amazing designs on a quality fabric print. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I got one last week. It feels really good on my body. Uh, if you want to save 10%, put some stuff in your shopping cart, enter into the coupon code. You want to enter in capital H-Y-B-R-O. That's capital H-Y-B-R-O. That's HYBRO, capital H-Y-B-R-O. Get yourself 10% off. 
All right, guys, buckle up. I'm so, strapped in. <laughs> I'm strapped on. Predating Napster, Microsoft Bob, Wolfenstein, Doom, the U.S. government was already finding a strong footing in the navigation of the interwebs. In order to maintain dominance in this new virtual realm, they needed access to the most advanced programs, the dopest algorithms. In essence, they needed to crunch some big fucking numbers, right? <laughs> okay. So in 1979, the U.S. Department of Defense put out a contract looking for new technology that would revamp their databases and make tracking records and um, you know, records of court cases, prosecutors, lawyers involved. It would make it uh, easier to keep up with, right? Mm-hmm. In comes a little company called Inslaw. That's I-N-S-L-A-W. Inslaw. Like coleslaw. Like coleslaw, but inslaw. inslaw. Not your in-laws, but inslaw. <laughs> oh, wow. That's nice. That was nice. Put that on a shirt. Print it, sell it, lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> Boasting a, pr- a new program called Promise that is basically a, a new method of data mining uh, that much resembles the way current search engines work. Um, uh, they win the contract. They operate at optimum level for several years, uh, revamping the whole uh, way the court systems is all the info is kept in database, databasized. So, like, in the past, everything would be written files and shit, you know. Actual files that someone has to fucking go through. Just like when you used to go to the... Maybe you guys didn't used to go to the library. Have to look everything up on a fucking... Mm. I don't even know what nope. it's called anymore. A little card? Nope. There's, like, a file cabinet just, like, full of an, is index cards. Yep. And you have to find what you're looking for. There's the index, and the index card will, like, tell you what shelf the book is on. Johnny had iPhones. Oh, yeah. shit! Out of I had it. it's crazy, I dog. Johnny had robots that said, "Good evening, Mr. Jonathan Clark, <laughs> who's now 11 years old. Would you like to find the nonfiction section on Inslaw?" And Johnny's like, Inslaw. "What's that? What, what that? is Inslaw?" Yeah, so basically, yeah. these databases. It was just a way to. It's like an Excel type sheet. Uh, it just mines data, organizes data, makes it easier to keep track of. Okay. Optimum level of operation for several years under this contract until slam. Okay. The U.S. Department of Defense, they're tired of paying. They say, you know what? Fuck it. You guys aren't meeting our requirements. We're going to cut pay. So they just cut pay to this this company, Inslaw, for their program called Promise. Basically forcing Inslaw out of business. They had to file bankruptcy. And in the process, the U.S. Department, uh, Department of Defense acquires that software. Okay, okay. And they proceed to use it for themselves for their own benefit. But not only are they using it for themselves, they are using it, they're, they're leveraging it as an asset, selling it to enemy countries, oh. se- selling it to the fucking terrorists, man, giving it across lines. Well, they're basically making tons of deals, tons of money off this shit, all the while battling the original creators and owners of this tech in court. And uh, it was locked up in court for a long time. I don't even know if it's been settled, if the dispute's been settled. But there was a decision that was made along the road uh, back in the 90s where Inslaw was awarded like 6.8 million bucks. Ended up getting retracted and appealed or whatever. And I don't think they got any money after that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, can, a lot of money to come and can go. You, can you nutshell that down for me in like a couple sentences so I can like really formulate it? Because I think I went on a couple different tangents there. You just did. No, like, really, like, it's conden- <laughs> you condense that, Tay? So, U.S. Department of Defense puts out mm-hmm. a contract for a new database program. Yep. A company called Inslaw comes in, yep. does it, 
They've yep. got it, operating yep. it for a few years. All of a sudden, U.S. Department of Defense says, nope, we're tired of this. We want it, but we're not going to pay you. Wow. They stall payments. That company goes out of business, loses their tech. U.S. government takes it over. Boom. The they, tech, they own the, the tech, tech now. So the, the technology te- was called Promise. Okay. They, very important. Yeah. They kind of just, just took it. Yes. Yeah, they basically took it, yeah. Okay. It was, and, and then they used it and sold to other countries. Correct. Right. Wow. Yep. That's shady of them. Uh-huh. Right, okay. yeah. It's, it's so basically, called Promise. the black market sale and use of this software, it spreads far and wide. Uh, touching <laughs> so many branches of the U.S. government, so many branches, in fact, that this massive network has been dubbed the Octopus. Whoa. You know, you know, I know what, the octopus. You know what they say when you when you cut off an octopus's tentacle. It has a mind of its own. It can do whatever it wants. Right? No, Johnny. It fucking kills you. What? <laughs> what do you mean it kills me? No, no, no. no, no. In reality, they say the the what? saying is you cut off an octopus's tentacle, it grows two back, which is obviously not true. But that's no. the, that's the saying. Oh. Yeah. You know what? Have I guys told you about octopuses <laughs> and tentacles? Sure. Okay. Have, have I? I don't know. I don't all right. know. I'm, all right. Well, octopuses have eight tentacles, right? Seven of those have brains, right? And the eighth one is its penis. The more you know with Johnny Clark. Really? Back the to you, penis Taylor. Penis is one of its tentacles. <laughs> yep. Okay. This podcast is not going to shift gears. We're talking about uh, octopus penises. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, eight, there's eight branches, or whatever, like an octopus. Yep. So one of the uh, one of the major uh, spiels that uh, occurred uh, with the black market sale of uh, this program. Yep, One of promise. the things it was used for uh, was it was involved in laundering a bunch of money and ammunitions through a Indian reserve somewhere oh. here in the U.S. Um, firearms? Yeah, f- ammunition and firearms for uh, a couple of different events. But yeah, basically laundering money was like the main gist of it. Okay. Uh, it was involved in something called Operation October Surprise, which mm. was the U.S. government selling this program as like a valuable asset to a country in need and in return they would get the delayed release of a set of US hostages. Ooh. Oh, yeah. so it was like and a the, trade essentially, like a bargain. Yeah, it was we'll a bargain and, and the bargain was basically hold these hostages for a little bit longer until the timing is right. Oh. And the timing yeah. was like right before the, pre- the next presidential election. Uh-huh. Fucking crazy. Wow. Yes. So a bunch of different things happen in the, the sale and just the movement of this database, the theft of this database, created this whole thing called the octopus, which is making small deals here, small deals there, laundering money here, laundering money there, all based on some illegal theft of, you know, somebody's actual hard tech that somebody actually programmed. They made this shit themselves, and they're out of millions of dollars. Yep. All this is going to bring us to today's topic, which is yeah. the mysterious death of Danny Casalero. 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 Wait, 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 who's Danny Casalero? <laughs> <laughs> Danny Casalero was a former tech writer who... <laughs> that was a plan, by the way. I, I you did. took my question. I had it written oh, in my oh, script really? to who? ask Taylor, tell me a little bit about Danny Casalero. Tell me a little bit about it. Danny. Who, who is uh, Sandy, uh, Carmen San Diego? Who's Sandy Casalero? <laughs> who's Carmen San Diego? Where, where is Carmen San Diego? So this guy named Danny Casalero, he's a former tech writer, uh, wrote for many, many years uh, uh, as a, a, weekly, a writer for a weekly newsletter. Uh, he has published three novels, three books, uh, one which is called The Ice King. Very cool. Very hard to fucking find his books. Okay. Uh, he was divorced, had one son. 
Uh, he would later go on to purchase the tech company that he previously wrote for uh, before selling it and becoming deeply involved in investigative journalism. Mm-hmm. So he gained some experience in the field during, his wa- during the Watergate scandal when he was able to shed some light on uh, many important details of the case. After that scandal was over, he was looking for the next big story to, to unveil. He was, contact- he was put in contact uh, with a family called the Hamiltons, who were the actual creators and owners of Inslaw, the creators Whoa. of the Promise program. He was approached okay. by these people... Because these guys, they were trying to uncover the fact, they're trying to bring the light, the fact that the U.S. government has stolen this property from them, and that they're trying to bring light, shed light on all these instances that the U.S. government is using their tech to fuck shit up all around the world. So it's a full 260. It's all come back around. Yep. Yeah, it all comes okay. back to this inslaw shit and this promise program, which it seems like a pretty crazy program. Like, apparently, this was 1979 that they that the contract was put out. It was the early 80s when they fulfilled this contract with this mm-hmm. promise program, which if you think about it, man, like, like we weren't using... Remember when you first got on the internet? Yep. Like, it was not easy to search for stuff. There was it no sucked. searching for stuff. Like, you yeah. had to access the internet through a portal. Most people accessed it through America Online, right? Yeah. Which is not a search engine. No, it was it was almost like there was no information online, therefore there was right. nothing to do with it. Nothing to search, no reason to search. It was just people communicating via chat rooms, shit yeah. like that. I had, I had MSN. I had AOL. <laughs> yeah, we had AOL. And people who were really into it and knew what the fuck they were talking about, people who knew computers, I guess, had Netscape. So I, I would go over to my friend's house, and he was on Netscape, and I would see this thing that looks like a current like window that just you navigate through. It looks like a current browser, but it was back in the AOL days, so I was used to this big, gooey interface I'll go over to my friends. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, this is so confusing. I don't even get it. But think about then. This is that's in the late 90s when I'm describing that time. This is the early 80s where these people are developing an actual search database, like, similar to Google. Like a, a Google search yeah. base, a Yahoo search. Way ahead of their time. Way ahead of their time. So think about how valuable there is. Like, our whole, how valuable this thing is. Our whole internet is basically based off that. Off promise. Yeah, that functionality. Being okay. able to take pieces of data, strung all across a database, string them together and make them relevant, like an Excel okay. sheet does. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy. So the Hamiltons filled them in on all this bullshit, how the government took their shit, how all this tech is being used. They introduced them to a few people, a few key informants. Uh, along his investigative journeys, he met many colorful characters, uh, shared intel with him, uh, he actually felt like he was making major steps uh, into breaking the case on this theorized octopus. Then theorized octopus. It's it's out there. It's out there. This octopus is real, man. Yeah, it's is fucking garden. an octopus with eight dicks rolling around. <laughs> 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 so some of these some of these informants they choose to be trust they prove to be trustworthy. Others not so much. One of the first guys that uh, he ran into is Michael Reconosciuto. Uh, he was one that? of the main players. What was that? How do you Irrelevant. Spell that? Irrelevant. Okay. All right. Reconosciuto. Okay. That is probably the correct pronunciation. I'm pretty good at Italian names, all right? Reconosciuto. <laughs> Michael Reconosciuto. So Reconosciuto was a major He was a major player in Casalero's investigation as he brought uh, big details into the Inslaw investigation, even signing an affidavit on behalf of Inslaw supporting their case uh, with the U.S. government. 
And he actually claimed <laughs> that he reprogrammed Promise um, to <laughs> repurpose it as like a way to track actual individuals. Oh, like martial law. Yeah, like which seemed to be kind of its purpose anyways, like but once you're in the yeah. system, now you're trackable. I guess this in some way was reprogrammed to track people not necessarily just in the court system, but oh. outside of the court system. You know, yeah. they say, "Hey, once you're in the system, you're always in the system." Matrix. So it'd be like that, but yeah, the system would be, "Okay, you're fucking born, you're in the system, bitch." And so this Michael guy, he <laughs> he, he claims that he made it. Uh, yeah, he, he claims he was hired by the U.S. government okay. after it was stolen from Inslaw. He was hired by the U.S. Def- uh, Department of Defense to do some reprogramming of Promise. Okay. And his reprogramming would okay. be more in what he's saying, um, like infringing on people's privacy. Okay. Like right? more more um, hacker-like, more like finding out information on people specifically and being able yeah. to like, navigate it. Very yep. much like post-9-11 kind of kind of. Stuff. Okay. Okay. Right. right. We lost Tay. We just lose Tay. I think so. Nah, I'm just joking. Oh, <laughs> oh man! I'm I thought we lost joking. you. I was just joking. Holy I was shit! With you. I was pretty funny. I was just fucking. Holy with you. Was shit! Oh, I sort of got. We lost you, or you got killed. Oh my god. So another one of oh these my. fucking colorful people introduced to Danny actually by the Hamiltons themselves, which is a very weird connection, is Robert Booth Nichols. Robert um, Booth Nichols. Yeah, it's really hard to find information on who this guy was as a person outside of his involvement with his investigation. But he's apparently a successful businessman of some sort, which the research describes him as having no obvious source of income. It's like just some guy who's apparently successful. Authorities don't know fucking why. That's shady in itself, correct? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They said he was like, like the report said he was like James Bond. Like oh. that's what they undercover an, stuff. He was an international yeah. businessman who was like James Bond. No one knew shit about this. I guy. think that's the point, though. I think a lot of times when, like in Bohemian Grove, like when people are at a high enough caliber where they can like control the fucking world, they are off the grid. You, oh, got yeah. this, you got it. You got it. You can't was, be like, oh, I have a family. I'm at this house, this location. Yeah. This is where I went to school. Yeah, you have to be off the grid, unknown. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Where is he going? No one knows. He wasn't a Russian even spy. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the pinnacle. He's like the definition of off the grid, this guy. Yeah. This Nichols guy. And he proves he's to be one of the main sources for some of the heavy hitting information and is possibly one of the final people to see Mr. Casalero alive. Oh, yep. And I say one of the last people to see him alive because on August 10th, 1991, a body was found in the bathtub of room 517 at a local hotel room in Martinsburg, West Virginia. 517? 517. Now, the body reportedly discovered by a maid who then got another maid, who then got their supervisor, who then got the manager, who then witnessed Danny Casalero dead in a pool of his blood, in the bathtub. Well, by, by the time they went to all these people, I'm sure he was completely drained of all blood. <laughs> right? Yeah, completely dead as fuck. That was one of the weird things. He's dead, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead as fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> reading through all the different reports, all the research about, like, the account of the body being found, there was so many different combinations of people that apparently saw this fucking thing. And, like, who the f- who's got the fucking story, man? Who's got the real goddamn story? 
You know, I, there's this chain of command of people who saw it or didn't see it, didn't see it. It's weird. Apparently, none of these people in the chain of command actually saw the body except for the last person who went in. Wait, but what about the maid? How did she... Right? Yeah, apparently, each each person in this line, like, they, they open the door, they see some blood, they fucking scream and run. Next well, that, person so, opens the door, sees blood, screams and runs. Nobody looks at the body until the no, manager no, gets in there. No, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like the the human instinct to find out, well, what is that? Why is that smell? All exactly. that stuff. Exactly. Like, like you got to look at. I find think, the source. I think right? What really happened? I think what happened is that let's say made one and two saw it, freaked out, and they told other people and said, "I didn't see anything." You know, ah, oh, I didn't see anything. I, I I didn't know, but they actually did. And then all the way up to the chain of command, all the people don't have the balls to say it. And then the final person's like, "All right." I'll fucking take the hit. I know, I saw it. I know all right. this stuff. I'll say but what this, I saw. It didn't look like a murder, though. This it looked, didn't? this was this F looked was like a so fucking weird su- about it. suicide. It was a suicide. Yeah. So uh, wait, 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 wait. According to the reports, this was a suicide. Uh, uh, you're saying Enough. a loss of blood suicide? Loss that's of a blood slow suicide, way to yeah. do it. So wow. So there sucks. were somewhere around twelve to fourteen slashes in its in his arms, in his wrists, uh, from razor blades that were actually found on the scene. Now I say somewhere between twelve and fourteen because. The official report says one thing, other other reports say another thing, other people say this, the coroner says this. That's like the sense numbers to me. are all over the place. So it's somewhere between 12 and 14 slashes, most of which were just, you know, pretty damaging cuts, two of which were insanely deep. One on uh, one of his wrists was so deep that it nearly touched a tendon. Ugh. And another what? one on his other wrist was so deep, it cut a motherfucking tendon, dude. I was about to say that it had to be because, you know, I don't want to sound gruesome, but, like, unless you hit a major artery, I don't think you can die from loss of blood from your arms. I don't think. What? Um, well, that's one of the weird things about it, man. They say there's a right and a wrong way to do it. Th- there is, technically, across the river, down the stream. There's, yeah, there's different. Well, well paramedics oh. who were there said that it is near impossible yeah. to cut your own tendon. It's oh, like, it really? Yeah. Is that hard? Yeah. Yeah, they're the very so hard little straps, man. Oh, uh, yeah. I would say it, it would be hard for your brain to wrap that around and actually do it, you know? It's hard for me to even, like, you know, slap myself before a performance, be like, trying to get, get get in character, you know? I can't even do that, <laughs> let yeah. alone break, break your own tendon, like, cut your own tendon. Yeah, yeah, not only that, but get very close on one, and then using that same hand, have the, oh, energy, yeah. have the energy and strength to do it to the other other arm. You're already losing blood. It's already messy. With a it's already... very small razor blade. Very small razor it blade. It almost seems like it was like somebody did did this to him and then cut it themselves. Yeah, one thing that the coroner actually uh, described as well, which is weird, that I guess in a, in a suicide like this, there, is, there are like, like test cuts, test marks, um, like marks okay. that aren't surefire cuts. You know what I mean? Like yeah. testing the waters to see if they yeah. can handle it. Apparently, all these cuts were surefire business cuts. You know what I mean? Like, like preemptively, like there was no, there was no going directed. Out of it. Yeah, yeah, like directed. They, they were going full force, full time. Yeah. You know, yeah. man. So, so okay. So and so these people found him in his own blood. Uh, have you? There's actually a short film about this. It's pretty crazy. If you've seen it, it's called, I think it's called like the Babysitter or something. It's a really cool like meta thing and you're saying these people found this guy dead in the bathtub full of his own blood and there was no like struggle there was no like pills there was no bruising on his neck there was nothing that showed a sign of struggle couple things let me paint the picture of the scene here for you so aside from the slashes on his wrist the bathtub full of blood uh, there was a bloody towel uh, pushed under the sink as if it were to wipe up some blood and then just kind of haphazardly 
pushed up against the sink. Off of your hands or off of somebody else's face or something? Hard to tell. No one knows. Yeah. Possibly just blood on the floor. Maybe he was standing up when he decided to do this. He cut his wrists and blood hit the floor. For some reason, decided to wipe it up with his feet before kicking it under the sink and then getting it into the tub to finish it off. You know, who knows? That's weird. Another item that was found on the tub was a glass ashtray um, that was from the hotel itself. He was a non-smoker. Weird. What was he doing there? Uh, beside the tub, a half-empty bottle of wine. I believe a broken glass from a cup. Two plastic bags and two shoelaces. Riddle this the scene. A, this wasn't a suicide. This was a murder. It's very confusing. There are a lot of signs that point to suicide, a lot that points to, but, to murder. But, One but of no, the odd shit. things, the, there was a note laying the, on the bed. Well, okay, was it a suicide note? Suicide note. Quote, to my loved ones, please forgive me, most especially my son, and be understanding. God will let me in. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but, like, that's murder. Like, like the, yeah, I, well, if I were to, this sounds crazy, but if I were to murder somebody, if I were to murder this Danny dude, right, Danny? Danny Calero. Danny Castellero. Um, Castellero, sorry about that. Uh, Remember the name. Uh, If I were to murder him, of course I would not only make it look like a suicide, but I'd read a note. I would make it look like he did it. Right. Well, it turns out there actually his, he had one single thumbprint was found on this note. It was his own. Danny Castellero's. And this paper was, I believe, paper from the hotel itself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was like the pad that was on there. Okay. Very odd. Uh, Another odd thing about this whole process is that <laughs> once the cops were called, cops came to the scene, they checked it all out, they declared a suicide right off the bat, right? Um, they let the body go to the coroner's office, what, at the morgue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they essentially released the body to be processed immediately that day. Of course. So the body is embalmed that mm-hmm. day. Boomed. What's Boomed. odd about that is the family wasn't notified until almost three days later. Two days later, the the following Monday, yeah. After it was embalmed, days after it was embalmed, the family was notified. Said he was dead? Dude is dead. Wow. This is where the body is at. Wait, wait, the the family's like, what the fuck? Uh, My brother's dead. No one told us. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait. The body's embalmed. Isn't there a whole process that's like, all right, well, my my brother or my son or my, you know, Uh whatever is, my boyfriend's dead. Yeah. We want him to be checked for suicide because that's a exactly. privacy invasion. Like, what if they don't want to see if it's a suicide? What if they wanted to assume that it was? So why would they just do this without us asking? Uh-huh. And not everybody wants to be embalmed. Some people would no, like to yeah, be cremated without being embalmed. A hundred percent. Yep. And when you embalm someone, you uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Drain all of the fluids from their yeah, body. That's a exactly lot of the crime scene evidence all the goes away. Gone. The blood is gone. Most of the fluids are gone. Almost everything's gone. Yeah, a, a lot of trace evidence is just fucking gone. But oh, what's weird gone. about this is that the coroner described, the coroner says straight up, oh, this is a suicide. Describes all the cuts as we just described. There are a cut on each side that are so incredibly deep, it's hard to explain how someone could do this by themselves. Describes his fingernails as being gnawed on or like chewed or whatever. But other reports describe them as like ripped out, like, like he was scraping on something, like trying to fucking get away. Not only that, it was described that he had bruises on the top of his head. Not in every report, but something to, something to gnaw on. It is then said, so the brother of Casalero demands an autopsy, even post-embalming. He's like, I, I no, would. this is fucking bullshit. Autopsy yeah. that motherfucker right now. We're getting to the bottom of this. Why, why would he say something like this? 
A week prior to the day he was killed, Danny Castellaro met with his brother, who is actually a doctor, very uh, reputable source, stand-up citizen. Meets with his brother, tells him, you know, talk, talking to him about the investigation. He'd been doing this investigation for over a year at this point, almost two years. So it was involved, it, it, was, it consumed Danny's life. It was all Danny was doing. So he talked to his family about it. His family was very uh, informed about it. He goes to his brother. He says, man, I'm going to meet with this guy in a week. I think this is the info I'm looking for. This is what's going to crack the case. It's going to break this motherfucker wide open. And then he says to his brother, I've been getting death threats. People have been calling me, telling me they're going to kill me. This person, Nichols, that we mentioned, even told Casolero, hey, man, if you continue with this investigation, you're going to be dead. Not necessarily a death threat from him, but, hey, if someone's going to kill you. You're, you're digging too deep. You're too close. Get the fuck out while you can. He tells his brother a week before his death date, hey, man, if I don't come back from this meeting, don't think it was an accident. Whoa. Right? Yep. That's fucking that, that, crazy, dude. That's plausible enough to say that, of course, it could not have been a suicide. He literally said— He literally well, said this, yeah. So I would say brothers and family especially know—this may be oversimplifying because I know my family very well, but like friends and family like you guys know about the the mentality state of your friends and family better than anybody, better than like right. a, a doctor can or, you know, right. like because you know them, you experience them, yep. you know, funny, sort of like a psychiatrist. It's funny you say that. Uh, his brother-in-law, Danny's brother-in-law, happens to be— a psychiatrist. So yeah, and, and uh, uh, provided one of the two postmortem uh, evaluations of Danny. One of them, the other evaluation, citing all these different things going on in Danny's life. Oh, he's trying to publish books; they're not getting published. Uh, big mortgage payment, you know, a lot of debt. Blah 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 blah. He's divorced. Blah 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 blah. So he gives them an evaluation that indicates suicide is highly likely. His brother-in-law, on the other hand, gives this psychi- uh, this evaluation saying how wonderful Danny is, how uplifting he always is. He's in such a good mood. He's a people person. He's got so many friends. Well, if I could play devil's advocate for a second, you know, suicide being a light and and, and, or dark and heavy topic, um, I I find it hard to to believe that any one opinion can be um, substantial in saying whether it could have or could not have been. Because, you know, from a psychiatrist to a brother to a family member to a relationship, it's hard to really know someone's psyche. Like, you got Robin Williams or whatever. You like somebody that, like, or Jim Carrey, who obviously is still with us. But they have a character that is so light and hearty, light and and, um, and frothy and and heartfelt, like you're talking about Danny is, to some people. But to other people, they might see that demon inside. And therefore, they can just, like, write it out as, as suicide. But I don't think that's conclusive. I don't think because let's Definitely, say it yeah. was let's say it was murder. They would have if it was murder. The, the, the premeditative thought would have been any little thing that we can make it look like it was a murder or was a suicide. We're going to capitalize as much as possible. Oh, this guy was dumped in the third grade. Let's use it. Oh, <laughs> exactly. He, yeah. This cat died. Let's right. use it. Exactly. Well, well, that's the biggest thing is that you know Taylor mentioned two sources: Michael Rancanchudo and <laughs> Robert <laughs> Booth Nichols. But what made this crazy? And where the whole murder aspect comes in is there was also a third, and his name was Peter Vendekis or Vendekis or whatever. <laughs> Tankis. And Roncachudo, <laughs> that affidavit that Vendekis signed. <laughs> uh, Roncachudo signed with Vendekis, and I'm going to say the name wrong every time. <laughs> Vidic. Uh, uh Roncachudo got arrested right after. And Peter Vendekis uh, was immediately seen as Castellero as someone who could not be fucked with. And that's when Castellero found Robert Booth Nichols and was like, whoa, 
this Vendekis guy who worked, he used to work for the U.S. Justice Department. Castler was like, all right, these people I'm getting, these sources are crazy people. Vendekis definitely locked Rock and Shudo up. Yeah. I'm in some deep shit. And this was at the beginning of all this. And Nichols was just as crazy as anybody else. So he already, Kessler already saw this sort of stabbing in the back and these sources sort of taking each other out at the beginning of all this. So Castellero knew, and the only signs Castellero was showing that would have led to a suicide was, was his obsession, similar to how obsessed um, one of the investigators, I'm not sure what the newspaper is, but when they were doing the report on the Zodiac Killer, okay. there was a reporter who became like obsessed. insane because he became obsessed with the case. And that's the only negative sign that Castellero was showing was his obsession with the case, his, his lack of sleep, his constant go, 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 all that. I mean, like, you know, Taylor will give a, a few more pieces of information about what he did on his fi- in his final moments on his last day where he ate and things like that. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it doesn't really point at depression. It doesn't point at it that. Points it points obsession. at obsession to the point where, like, everything's relying on this. I mean, Castellero had debt. Castellero was borrowing money to survive. He wasn't getting paid for the two years he was investigating this case. Right, big investments. Not only that, though, like, people were behind him. I, he even had a guy... Um Close to, I, I think the guy who introduced him to the case itself was willing to back him financially. So, like, he had people on his so, side, and there was wait, a way to, to keep going. It wasn't like the end of the road for him, you know what I mean? He really so felt he, like he was breaking wait, his case. So you're saying that he was this close, he had people behind him, and either if he failed, he'd be letting all them down, or you're saying that they were with him regardless. Which, what right. are you saying? One of the shitty things about this uh, V-Dick character, uh, is it, like, it totally contracts with... Uh, Rakanashudo, Rakanashudo, whatever the fuck it is. You know, he seemed to be a reputable source. He seemed to know what he was talking about. He was willing to testify. He did testify. But then V-Dick slams him into into prison for, like, a drug charge, like, making him instantly incredible, like a not-credible source anymore. Uh, I I think Castellera stuck by him, even visited him in jail a few times, trying to keep up with the intel until he eventually just distrusted him as well. So there did come yeah. a point where it was like, well, shit, all this shit I got from Reconoshudo could be bullshit. Is Reconoshudo bullshitting? Is Nichols bullshitting? Is V-Dick bullshitting? Who's the bullshitter? Got to sift through this bullshit. But one <laughs> thing that is yeah. definitely fucking crazy bullshit is the official report <laughs> of this death, you know, this murder-suicide. Like, it doesn't right. make any fucking sense. There are other... after So after Casalero's brother demands this autopsy, right? They do an autopsy. Somehow they're able to determine that he had Valium in his system and a small amount of alcohol. All his blood's gone, but they're able to somehow tell that he had Valium. Trace amounts, very small amounts of Valium. What they indicate is not enough to like kill someone, even with the combination of alcohol that he drank. Okay. And the alcohol that he was drinking was just some wine that was it's white wine. Yeah. Just some white wine. He happened to. It was from a specific brand that he brought from home. You know, kind of weird. One of the craziest parts of this fucking thing was at his funeral. Near the end of his funeral, you know, black limo pulls up. Dude pops out of the limo. It's a military guy. Highly decorated military official, possibly general of some sort, whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. he is. Comes up, places a medal onto the casket. Whoa. Dips out. No one at the funeral knows who this motherfucker is. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Some, yeah, some... High-ranking official from the government just came and popped a medal on this grave That's not and just normal. dipped out. Yeah, not normal no. at all. 
But the craziest so, thing about this what? is the official account, it tells, you know, time and, and date of like where he was these last three days. And he was at this hotel meeting his intel, possibly with Nichols, possibly with other people. But what's weird is there is a lot of details, like specific details about when and where, you know, Casalera was, you know, near his time of death. Specific details about the way the crime scene looked, all these items on the crime scene, in the crime scene, types of wine, the razors, the shoelaces, all this different shit, where they came from. You know, the shoelaces came from Casalero's house, two different shoes. The bags were bought in town near the hotel. Um, the razor blades purchased in Casalero's hometown. So, like, all these items were apparently proven to exist, be in the room, blah, 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 blah. But our friend Nick here is going to shine some light on some new fucking info that ain't nobody okay. ever heard before. Okay, okay. This is where things get real crazy, We're and this is where crazy. everyone needs to strap in. Strap the fuck in, y'all. Because we have given as much information as you need. There's tons of stuff. The case is online. It's a public case. You guys can read all about it. Uh, you can find out, you know, yes, he was meeting with multiple sources at the hotel when he was there, when he checked in. Um, yes, his last meal was at Pizza Hut. Um, yes, he talked to one of his neighbors uh, about meeting one final person and then him finding his neighbor again at the hotel in room 519. 17. Uh, no, he, so he was in 517. The, the room next to him was 519. Okay, okay. And, he, and it was a guy named Mike Looney and he talked to that guy, saw him at one point and said, you know, this I'm, I'm here to meet a big you know, I'm trying to bust the story open. It's going to be big. Saw Mike Looney again after he went to Pizza Hut and seemed down because the uh, person he was meeting apparently called it off. But they say Castellaro met with multiple people uh, at the hotel. If it wasn't just Nichols and one other person, there might have been multiple involved. So with all that being said, okay. I'm here with some new evidence. All right. Some brand new evidence. Never before heard. Never before heard heard? that's going to bring a brand new perspective to the story. Okay. So after a tip from one of our listeners via email, which is fucking crazy that led us to do this entire story, we managed to connect with and interview a source who was among the first to discover the corpse of a Mr. Danny Casalero. Was it one of the, like a maid? Huh? Okay, okay. This is the first time this person has spoken out about this particular cl- case, so for obvious reasons, the source would like to remain completely oh, anonymous. Okay. Oh. The following are a handful of quotes from the interview. It was a 30-minute interview I had with the person. Okay. That we hope will shed new light on this case and provide truth to what appears to be a lot of falsified information. So I'm going to read a handful of quotes uh, that are going to sort of set the scene straight for how it was how it was viewed. And then I'm going to get to the end where I'm going to give some brand new information that's going to change the fucking game of this whole entire case. So, quote, (laughs) It's important to note that Castellaro was a walk-in at the Sheraton. He checked in at 11.48 a.m. on August 8th. There was no reservation. However, Castellaro was a repeat customer as he'd been at the hotel six months before his death. So what do you mean six months? Six months before, just once, or he had been there every single. He'd been at the hotel. No, he just came to the hotel. He probably met somebody here for intel in the past. Yep. Okay. Uh, MBD. Another quote. After reviewing and seeing some of the films and television shows about the case, there's a lot of contradictions, especially in the reenactments. First of all, to set the record straight, 
It was indeed room 517 at the Sheraton Martinsburg Inn. It did happen on a Saturday at around 1230 in the afternoon. Now, according, so end quote there, according to the Unsolved Mysteries episode that aired, um, there was a lot of blocking issues in the room of, mm. you know, where the maid saw blood, yeah. this and that, blah, 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 blah. You can find the Unsolved Mysteries. So this next quote is actually setting the record straight for that episode of the reenactment. Okay. So, quote, the housekeeper walked into the room. The bathroom was on her left. She looked to the left, saw a pool of blood about 12 inches in diameter on the bathroom floor, and immediately backed out of the room. End quote. Okay. So that's how that played out. Yeah, yeah. That's what you guys described earlier. Exactly. She saw the blood. In the reenactments, though, that they've done online in films and TV, that hasn't actually been been correct. It's been blurry. It's been like, okay. All right. Quote, when I, so this is is a quote about when this person, like, first saw the body. Okay. Quote, I saw the blood in front of the vanity in the toilet, but none on the carpet, which is also, uh, falsified it was, on it, it the was blurry. Okay. Yeah. There was there was no blood on the carpets? No blood on the carpets, only in front of the the toilet and the vanity. Okay. I pushed the door open to reveal Casalero in the bathtub dead. He obviously bled to death because he had multiple slashes on his left and right wrist. What most people are saying is that he had twelve slashes total, eight on one wrist and four on the other. But I saw seven on one wrist and six on the other. There was Ooh. no disturbance in the room Nothing was out of order. It's 13. Yes. Okay. Nothing in the room was in disarray. While some reports stated that pill bottles and alcohol bottles were seen in the room, they were nowhere in sight. The bedspread didn't even have a wrinkle in it or on it as if he wasn't even sleeping. He was just staying up. He was at the hotel for three days. Wow. So not a single so bottle of wine on the floor? There, there was no, was there a shoelace? Was there, was there a broken glass? Was there the ashtray? I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, the room was not cleaned until two days after it happened. The coroner's office did take the body away that same day. All that was known at the time was that his name was Danny Castellaro from Fairfax, Virginia. It was very apparent at the time to be a suicide, but it wasn't until everything hit the news that every, like everything completely started, like was changing. Everything was changing. Uh, we all thought that maybe this wasn't a suicide after all. Martinsburg, West Virginia was a bedroom community of Washington, D.C. If anything political were to happen, it would happen in Martinsburg. It was a very political town because a large number of doctors and lawyers lived there and took the train to work. Because all the houses in Washington, D.C. were double what they cost in, Fair- in uh, Martinsburg, Virginia. Okay. So this is where it got interesting because a lot of questions came from the locks. This is 1991. What were the locks like? So this next quote is about the locks in the specific L- like room. Lo- yeah, lo- the, lock locks? Yeah. Okay. So how we have like key locks, yeah, key, yeah, yeah. keyless entry, all that now. Quote, computer card door locks had just come out, mm-hmm. but Sheraton did not have in their operation policy to use the card locks yet. It was still so brand new. Yeah, yeah. The electronic like, magnet things? Yeah. Okay. The keys used were brass keys, mm-hmm. a thumb turn lock, and a chain lock that could be engaged or disengaged yep. however you see fit. Similar to what's in motels. Yeah. Those type of door locks could be opened with something as easily as a credit card. As uh-huh. long as the chain lock wasn't engaged, it could be opened with ease. So for someone to break in, wouldn't be complicated. Castellero only had the thumb turn lock engaged. He did not have the chain lock and the bolt lock engaged. 
well, what was left. So this anonymous source is saying that when he was found, that was the only thing that was engaged. So if it was a murder, the only thing that the murderer left— would had to, All the murderer would have to do if someone did break into the room was just yeah. pop a credit card in the door— but when they, I was saying when they left, though, they just flip the, yeah, flip just the thumb, thumb lock and then walk out. Okay, right. Um, okay. So this next, these next couple quotes are regarding these last two quotes are regarding the um, the police investigation. Quote: When the police ask questions, they only ask questions to a handful of people involved at the hotel. At the time, they didn't question neighbors. They didn't question about the key control system, about previous room occupants. And the people they did question, the questions were not thorough at all. They were almost like they didn't want to know. Yes. It was like, the oh, next guy day, killed himself. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Case closed. Like, they didn't case want closed. an ulterior or any anything. They didn't want They didn't want to find reasons to believe it was anything ulterior than a murder. Yeah, or than, weird, than, than, than a suicide. Normally in like a TV cop show, you know, it's something innocent and they blow it out of proportion. Like, I'm getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, well, they yeah. have all these dumb jobs. It's like, it's like in any, like, it's like uh, in, um, oh my gosh, uh, with the, uh, 21 with Jump the, Street? Cha- yeah, 21 Jump Street. Cha- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where like, they Add want shit to, the to do. It's like, yeah, exactly. They, they want shit to do. That They're so bored. And like, like the, um, uh, in, was the, I can't think of movies right now. My mind's being blown. And so they want to have shit to do, but they're almost like being in dumb. What? In and out. Yeah. Like it was literally like, they don't want out. a part of it. Right. So lazy. So all that wrapped up in a day, which is nuts. Like in a day. Um, the next day, two suburbans were seen at the hotel. The agents were wearing all black and sunglasses. Mm. They came in a back entrance, remained quiet, went to the fifth floor, were there for a little bit, and then left. Weird. That's it. That's, That's it. That's really creepy. Now, this is where things start getting crazy. So, Johnny, if you want to grab a pen. These are. This is the time that we are going to start kind of taking this case apart. Let it be known to all of our listeners. Um, I actually have filled up a whole page for the first time in an episode. I usually will get like about you know halfway through it be done. I'm trying to find more room on this page to even write, so I might go to a new page. Are you right, talking about a page, page full of doodles or notes? No, no, notes. Taylor, <laughs> I've been writing down almost all your. I can't doodle with the shit. I've been I've been writing on everything you've been saying, and I am just I'm flabbergasted. All right, Nick. All right, this is where things change. Some, some of this cold shit. So a lot of reports state the long amounts of time Castellaro spent at Heatherfield's Lounge in the Sheraton Hotel. And according to a series of unreleased documents given, us on, given to us on the case, it states that, from six, that at 6 p.m. on August 8th, Danny was at Heatherfield's Lounge in the Sheraton Hotel, and he purchased two imported bottles of beer and five draft beers. That was at 6 p.m., two days before he, had, he was found dead. That was the first day that he had checked into the hotel on August 8th. Mm-hmm. If other reports are stating two bottles of wine were found at the scene of the crime in his room, Where did, why wasn't there a single glass of wine sold to Castellero yeah. at Heatherfield's Lounge? Was he meeting with two specific people over drinks two days before his Didn't death? Didn't say that he brought the wine from home? He did. He two did bottles. bring the wine from home. Yeah, apparently he was very specific about his wine, um, yeah. so he, he brought some from home. So I don't know. Like at, at That sitting maybe... It's like, okay, that bar doesn't have this specific wine, so I'm going to drink beer. But, you know, to switch beers, yeah. he's obviously, it definitely seems like he's meeting with somebody at this meeting, right? At this time. Yeah, two imported beers, okay. five draft beers. Okay. Was, okay. Two Anelweiss beers. <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> five Budweiser's. A- Adelweiss, Taylor. Adelweiss. Now, 
These next few details were simply answered as a yes or no question, so I am going to read them as such, which means I will read my question, okay, and I will respond with the answer from our anonymous source. You need source. A, you have a different inflection, like I'm Nick and blah blah blah. And then, uh, sure, I'll read it like a Sesame Street character. <laughs> okay. So I asked first and foremost. According to several police reports we found on the case, they state that a suicide note was found, but in the reports that were sent over to us. It was never once mentioned a suicide note was found. Was there one indeed present? To which our anonymous source responded, no. Get the fuck out of here. There wasn't a suicide note? Nope. No suicide note on the scene, yet there are pictures of this fucking supposed note online. Well, then it has to be staged. It has to be staged. Hang on. I then asked... Also, reports stated a box of razor blades were found next to the note. Were those present? To which my source answered, no. What the fuck? Yeah, not only do they report a box being found, but they report being able to decipher where they were fucking purchased. Yes. Like, so wait. What, you know? Th- there, were these, there were these things that were put there like plugs. Ha, huh, no pun intended. There were, there were these, <laughs> these things that were put there and like, on purpose, and right. they weren't actually there. Yeah, if Absolutely. they indeed existed, they had to have been placed there after the initial finding of the body. That's 100% contamination of a crime scene. That's that's totally like like uh-huh. disturbing yeah. it and altering its le- like legitimacy. Uh-huh. And we'll Very and we'll three we'll give our our own thoughts. We'll, we'll when we wrap okay. this up because I when we wrap it up, we'll take some time. And we'll give our own hypothetical. Okay. Of what we feel happened. High brothetical, if you high bro, high bro, high brothetical thinking. Uh, finally, I got into the bathroom and what was fine, what was found there. So I asked. Reports state that a half-drank bottle of wine was found on the floor close to Castellero's hand. Is this true? To which my source responded, "No, I did not see a bottle of wine." S- so, was it he there? Was was Danny in the yeah, was, there? was there a fucking body? Was there a body? Was there even a body? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, like, yeah. If there's not seriously all these this facts, actually a all best the, western. All the it's, <laughs> it's the best western hotel. It was actually Mexico <laughs> in Wyoming. Okay. <laughs> so all these all these crime scene evidence things that have been found or were found technically were never even there. Huh? Why and the all, fuck would they even said there? Yeah, all these things have been published too so many multiple times like documentaries, an episode of unsolved mysteries. All kinds of publications and, are reported at a, certain, shit. at a certain point, like the the false information becomes like true information. Yeah, it gets validity exactly, yeah. because of how right. many times it's been, you know, like like the, the telephoned. Yeah, and yeah. and while and, and like I said, while while this source, like I trust source, everything is great. This is still a perspective. Like this is a perspective of the case. It's like a game of telephone. Okay, multiple people can see one thing and they tell another. So, tell saying all this. Okay. There is validity to it. I believe it 100%. Yeah. I can see the, the conviction you, in your eyes. Like anything, it's to be taken with a grain of salt because this was almost 30 years ago. Okay. So they might not, they might, these things, they might have, oh, I'll, I'll say with my own conviction, if there was a dead body in a room, I wouldn't even know what day of the week it was. I, right. I, I would be <laughs> so shocked. I don't know if it was wine, if it was a shoelace, if there was a key card. I, the only thing in my mind is a dead corpse. And that's all that I would have seen. That's what you'd see. Like that would be in, in that, your mind. That's the only thing well, that matters. I would right. like to think that if I spotted a dead body or whatever and 
it wasn't imminent danger. Like, I got to look out because I'm about to die. You take I, everything into consideration, yeah, but your fighter take, foot response. Uh, yeah, who knows what would actually happen. But yeah, I'd like to true. think that I would be very observant. And, yes. was, and there I is, and, and once I do finish this up, like, there is a piece I can say that there is val- validity to this but that I have as proof. You're saying this anonymous source isn't saying, I don't know. They're saying no. It's firm answers. You're saying okay. it. For a fact, it this wasn't is what there. this person saw. Okay. Yes. So the last two things I asked, I asked, what about the broken glass stated in the report? Other conflicting reports state that the broken glass was in the bathroom. Is this correct? To which the source responded, no, the broken glass was in the hotel room itself. It was not in the bathroom. So there was a struggle, but not, and then they staged it. Uh-huh. Maybe. I mean, it looked like a clean uh-huh. room, apparently, but just a just broken, a broken wine bottle. Just a broken wine bottle. Which I've done that. Yeah. Something crazy. I'm yeah. obviously not dead. So last but not least, this is one of the this is a piece I actually had to um, reconnect with our source about because once Taylor and I were talking, this was a big piece. There's a lot of theories that mention a towel seen on the floor with blood on it, tucked underneath the vanity. I asked the source, did they see this towel? It's a very small bathroom. This is a this is a hotel room bathroom. Yeah, we you know we you, like the three of us travel a lot. Whatever we, we stay in bathrooms together. When we sleep in the bathroom together, we, we always tell us <laughs> we, <all> tell, <laughs> we stay in big bathrooms. <laughs> so I asked, "Did you see this specific towel, towel with blood on it?" To which the source responded, "No, I did not see a towel." Oh, Can man. I get a hail? No. Get hail no. So while these specific things might seem like smaller pieces of the case that might not change a lot, these are clear-cut discrepancies that led us to believe there might be some fabrication. So, uh, and, and with this, in the, in the unreleased documents that we had sent over to us, in that is a report to what was seen, because I don't know if you guys know about a crime scene, know how it works, if you're a witness or see anything or whatever, even if you're a police officer mm-hmm. that show up to the crime scene first. So if someone calls you, you're 911 yeah. and someone takes over, which the FBI was involved mm-hmm. because this is a, you know, this is a big case. There it was there it was a dead body with papers in the room and things like that. If you're the first person or any of the people that yeah, aren't you have to give a report. Yeah. You're you're and in that report you state the things you saw that are directly related to the case. Yeah. Everything. If you saw a, a suicide note. B, a glass, or a bottle of wine. C, a towel with blood on it. D, a pack of razor blades. Yeah. If you saw any of those things, you would write them down. And I have this unreleased document that says, you know, A, found a broken glass in the room. B, sheets were this color. C, pillow were pillow, pillows were this. D, this, blah, 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 blah. Anyone in their right mind would say, Razor blades of suicide note at the scene of the crime. Yeah. 100%. I have that. Like, it's there. Okay. So to say that those things weren't there is... Crazy. Is crazy. And it's not like and there's a pile of other eyewitness reports. You know, no. And those are, those are specific things. Like, to see, like, specifically a thing of razor blades, to see specifically a broken glass right. or the bloody towel, it's not like, it's not like, oh, yeah, that was dove soap, but it was actually, like, Neutrogena. No, it was a specific... Wine. It was specific razor blades, which you don't find in the average a box of razor blades. Right. There has to be a premeditated thought, or like a a, a um uh ha- has to have been in your brain. You had to think of it specifically to put it there. 
Yeah. It's and and you know, as an investigation, I mean, this is the nineties. This was after Watergate. Like scandals were were happening. Like this, you know, this is this is a crazy time. I don't I can't wrap my head around the fact that when you investigate a crime scene, which you know, whether it is suicide, whether it is a murder, whatever it is, until you have everything covered, if you find out like in the room, they did retrieve documents. It was like a couple folders, a couple journals, things like that. Sure. Because there, there's a whole theory that says that Castellaro, I mean, it's not a theory. It's, it's said from people that, that spoke later in the case that Castellaro carried a brown briefcase around with him. That that briefcase was brought with him to Martinsburg, Virginia. Like all of his West notes, Virginia. all of his papers for the Every entire two years, investigation. The yeah. important stuff that he's been like yeah, he carries it with. with. Yeah, he's got to have this to operate his work. You know, this right. is what he's and, doing. And this, all like, they retrieved from the room, and you can find this art, these archive archive files. People, our listeners can do the investigation themselves. But all people could find online that they found, quote unquote, in the room, were a couple folders, journals with notes and phone numbers and names scribbled down in them. But they didn't find anything definitive that was going to blow anything open. So, and that was the whole reason he was there. That suitcase was gone. Someone took the suitcase. Took all the info and everything related. He he went to Martinsburg, West Virginia, to end this thing once and for all, to yeah. blow it open. That's what he went there for. And someone ended him once and for all, and, and took, someone took the evidence. Yes. Uh, keep in mind, he told his brother that he had been recently threatened. And not well, only yeah. that, Nichols himself told him, "Yo, dude, you're gonna fucking die, bro." Dude, that's cause enough to assume that it's murder. Assume that the, it's murder, the, right? The, and the, the cops should be a. I mean. You should be thinking when someone's dying, you should always just look into murder, right? I don't know. If I was a right. cop, I would. I, I you yeah. can't rule it out at all. Like, well, it, if you see that, you're like, it was very clear he had, he was doing something. He was investigating something. As a cop, you look at that. Even <laughs> right, if they, that even, basic point. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you open the journal, uh, I someone's through, got a motive. You know. Yeah, I looked through the journal last night. Two hundred pages of it. I skimmed through it, and it's just a lot of jargon and scribbles and. You know, promise is written over and over again, like P-R-O-M-I-S, yeah. like written over and over again. There are, you know, names, there are things, there's words like hitman, there's words like illegal arms trade, there's words like foreign exchange. They're written, they're written all in this journal. If you open, if as a cop, if you open this up and you look at it for five seconds, five fucking seconds, you know that there might be this might be worth investigation yeah. but no they didn't they didn't interview Looney who was in the room next to him they didn't interview anyone in the surrounding areas yeah, it wasn't later they did to hear like a struggle to hear cries or screams or anything like that right like later later they they did like later they interviewed Looney later they got a report that Castellaro went to Pizza Hut and when he was at Pizza Hut he looked the waitress in the eye and he quoted the great Gatsby to her because he was kind of a ladies man Oh. Uh, he met with Nichols, you know, he met with specific people, but the, the idea that the last known sighting was from Mike Looney in room 519 and he looked, he met Castellaro before Castellaro went to dinner at Pizza Hut alone. He, Castellaro said, I'm about to bust this open. Castellaro shows back up to the room. Mike Looney is just also outside in the of the room to oh, see Kessler. Smoking, so it's put out the vibe. Saying yeah, him. just hanging out. And Kessler looks bummed out. Looney's like, is everything okay? Kessler says, ah, oh, man, my source blew me off. That's the last thing Kessler says. 
Dude, yeah. Like, uh, me and Nick were talking about this earlier. Like, A, all the reports of Castellero's, like, attitude and actions, you know, from, like, the bartender and people at the hotel was like, oh, dude, seemed like a kind guy. He was upbeat, hitting on the bartender, hitting on a couple waitresses, hitting on some ladies. Like, yeah, he's a cool guy. Apparently, that's just his demeanor, you know. Maintain relationships with all his ex-girlfriends, his ex-wife, like, best friends for life kind of thing. Apparently, this guy's just a really good guy. Strike up a conversation with anyone. What's really fucking odd is that, let's say you're an investigator, and you you really think that you're about to break open this insane case. I wouldn't be blabbering about it to everybody. It's true. Right. Why would he be talking to this loony guy about it? And further than that... If you were one of these Intel guys who was about to meet up with this, with with Danny Castellero, and you're like, all right, I'm about to give this guy some Intel, or you know, you're just privy to the fact that this guy's on the hunt, why wouldn't you send your own Intel? Like, let's say you're the bad guy that he's trying to find out. Why not send your own Intel guy in there, talk to Danny a little bit, see what he's got? Maybe that's what Looney was. Let's throw him off. Maybe Looney was essentially a spy from the bad guys. Yeah, right. Who knows? Which, which from. You know, from our source, seeing that that, uh, hang on one second. I can tell you. Let me pull up the, let me pull up some documents here. Um, seeing that, from our source, that Castellero was a walk-in, so he was indeed a walk-in. He checked into the hotel, so you know him having the room was, you know, the odds of Looney being next to him. Um, See, I don't, I don't know when exactly Looney checked in. Looney checked in. Uh, I don't have it. I don't know when he checked in. That would be great to know. I just know that he was in room five nineteen. Um, for all we know, it could have been coincidental that there was that Looney was at the hotel to follow and watch Castellero. Hmm. and right. it just ha- so happened. Coincidentally, that the rooms were next to each other. Luckily, got the yeah. To me, that would seem almost too coincidental. If I was Looney and I was like trying to be covert and not make it seem like I was a murderer, I wouldn't want to be anywhere (laughs) near that room. That way, I wouldn't be questioned at all after the fact. Yeah, because I'm sure they didn't interview every single person in the hotel. No, they didn't. It seems like they didn't do fucking anything, man. They did very little. It's possible. A lot of the signs of this case, aside from it, it might be two things at the same time. A, there is a cover up actually happened, like he was murdered to cover up the cover up, you know. And on the other hand, it could just be whether it was a suicide or a murder, just very poor work on the cops in, right. in West Virginia. Just very poor work. And it was a small town, but, you know, Taylor, Johnny, if I may, I have two theories. Okay. I have two theorize away. I have two specific. Oh, cool. Call them hypotheticals. Okay. In all my research, because I myself have become obsessed with this case, Taylor knows I have lost sleep over it. I have been digging. It's so fascinating to me. Nick, the last time I he, heard someone was obsessed with this case, they died. So watch out. I know. Yeah, Nick is currently dressed as Heath Ledger. <laughs> I will learn it all. Hey, yo, hi, bros. Little pause for the cause as we pass our money saving powers on to you. If you're anything like me and you like chewing massive wads of gum while being admired for wearing hilariously gruesome t-shirts, then do the natural thing and head over to glorpgum.com and enter in the promo code I'm a bro lever. That's going to get you 15% off any purchase over 20 bucks. That's I'm a bro lever. I apostrophe M space A space B R O L I E V E R. Glorp. I'm going to give my Theory in a southern accent. Okay. 
So I did. <laughs> well, you're not going to talk through that away. Okay, 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 okay. So <laughs> I, have two, I have two theories, one of which I will describe, and I'm going to try to make it as condensed as possible. So try to follow me here. Uh, off the top, I'm going to say, in both of these theories, I do think the government was involved in some capacity. Do I think the government was responsible for killing and staging a murder-suicide of Mr. Danny Castellaro? No, I do not think the government uh, went through with this. Do I think that whatever was going to be released through Promise, through the Inslaw scandal, do I think whatever was going to be released would have caused problems if it became public for our government? 100%. And I think after the Watergate scandal, if, if from the, the perspective of the government, I think if too many things come out, it causes distrust in society. And if you have distrust in society, you have a breakdown of society. And if the government, if the, if society, if half of society doesn't trust the government, it's fine because they don't have enough probable cause. Mm-hmm. They just have to assume they don't trust the government. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever Castellaro had, if it was that suitcase, either the person who killed him took it or the government took it. I do not think they killed him. So for the record, I will say that. I do not think okay. the government was involved in his murder-suicide. However— Are you saying that because you don't want to die? Or no, I'm saying okay. that because I truly believe that that's not what happened. Okay. I do believe—one theory, that it was a suicide. I think it was a staged suicide. And the reason I say this is because to go back on what Taylor talked about, uh, Castellaro came from a family of six. His father was a, a successful gynecologist. His brother was a successful uh, physician. His sister was successful— he was the one in the family, the black sheep, which he referred to himself as multiple times. Mm. He was the black sheep of the family. He was trying to kind of find his, his way. He worked at a computer company for a while, is what Taylor said, and then he became a journalist. He worked at a company for a while, got fired when a new owner came in. He was down on his luck. He wrote a book that no one gave a fuck about. Mm. And as an author, you want to find success. You want to be remembered. You want to write something that moves people and changes the way people think. So I think the moment that Castellaro, you know, when he was a journalist, he did investigate Watergate, as Taylor said. He, he, he saw a different perspective. When he found out about Inslaw and how crazy this is, and when he started getting sources, he's like, holy shit, this is my moment. This is it. This is my, this is my magnum opus. This is what's going to get me somewhere. And I think after two years, it became a lot. He was in too deep. He was meeting with people who were murderers. They were arms, you know, illegal arms dealers. Mm-hmm. They were bad dudes. I mean, there's even a report that years after, um, one of the specific people robbed a bank, who was one of his sources in the case. Yeah, this was Nichols, correct? Yes, it was Nichols. Yeah, so, weird. A lot of reports of like Nichols previously being like a bad dude, bad blood guy, but it's like, yo, he's got a, he's got the info. We gotta, gotta go with him. And yeah. keep in mind, <laughs> he's, he's, no one knows how this guy makes a living. No. No, so, nothing that should just tell you right now, he's making money doing illegal shit. And in, and in Castellaro's notes, Castellaro stated that he heard from people that Nichols has killed people, but he has a clean slate. No criminal record at all. Okay. Clean slate. Like James Bond or some shit? Yeah. So, all that condensed down, with all that being said, I think that, that Castellaro went, uh, he had this idea in his mind. He said, how am I going to be remembered? As an author, I'm going to leave this case open. I've made, you know, I will make the news because I've, I've basically, he became the octopus. His tentacles were out to enough people. And I think that if he staged his own suicide, because he's a writer, um, people compared his writing to Hemingway. 
He even wrote in his book, The Ice King, a first-person account of what if he died. He also mentioned in an interview with, some, uh, with a female source, he randomly mentioned that one of his favorite authors committed suicide by putting a bag over their head. Hmm. Uh, Very odd. Super odd. So one of my theories is that I do think that Castellaro committed suicide on his own. I think he staged it himself to look like a murder to make his life become a story. Oh. And I think that was so important. And that becomes even more clear to me because last night I found in his journal, he had about 10 pages of a story written called Behold, a Pale Horse, which was quoted as a true crime narrative by Daniel Casolaro. Um, on the front, it says, Behold, a pale horse and its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him, and they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. So that was the name of this quote-unquote true crime narrative. So you- He was trying to write a book. So he was writing this crazy book using real people's names and all that stuff, and he was basically trying to sell each chapter to someone to make money because he had no money. And so I do – there's a part of me that thinks that he did stage his own suicide to look like a murder to to be a story. Like a publicity stunt. Yes. The ultimate publicity stunt. However, my probable cause is that what his brother said, that he was afraid of needles, he was afraid of, you know, blood. It's a big part of it. And – the, the amount of pain to cut almost cut through one tendon yeah, and a, cut through another tendon it doesn't make sense there's a thousand ways to 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 you know forge a suicide or make it look like a murder yes and why would he choose the one that is his least painful. favorite or his, his least favorite you know if I know people who are whatever the phobia is of blood and they would not if they even drew blood of themselves they'd pass the fuck out just right then right. and there so yeah, why so how would he even handle that shit? why would he why wouldn't he pick like a a, a staged or a, a a staged murder suicide, like for like a, a hanging or something, or, or a gun. Right. Well, in that, <laughs> Gun's and like one. in in the first pages of Behold a Pale Horse, they he basically like proposes in this treatment, and then he has one sentence that says, "Behold a Pale Horse" will be a haunting odyssey that depicts a manifesto of deceit, decisions of conscience, conscience, good and evil, intrigue and betrayal, and it just all seemed like a little too odd. Um, and in so, but but like I said, the theory became debunked in my own mind with the whole the way that he committed suicide and how that doesn't add up. And there wasn't enough painkillers or alcohol in his body to where he would not feel the absolute pain. Um, and the fact that the blood was not it was not sprayed everywhere. The blood there was a puddle. It puddled on the ground, and then it was in the bathtub with him. That was half full with water, and he was in there nude in the bathtub nude. Now. Looking at his true crime narrative, it led me to a name, John Philip Nichols, which this led me to my final theory, okay. and then and then I got nothing. Hmm. But I Googled John Philip Nichols because the name looked really familiar, and the reason why it looked familiar is because someone very close to him named Robert Booth Nichols. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a connection. And so I Googled John Philip Nichols and found an article in the LA Times archives from January 19th, 1985. Uh, saying that John Philip Nichols was associated directly to the Cabazon Band of Mission Indians, which is what Taylor referenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The arm stuff. Yes, the arm stuff. And John Philip Nichols found out that three specific people were going to infiltrate and 
break the news. And these people were Alfred Alvarez, Patricia Castro, and Ralph Bogar. These three people were found shot to death on the patio of a ramshackle house. John Philip Ramshackle. John Philip Nichols was then questioned and then accused of soliciting two police informants to kill from one to four more persons. That means John Philip Nichols was accused and sentenced to prison for a murder for hire plot. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so oh. who's to say Robert, hang on, let me pull my thing. Robert Booth <laughs> Nichols. Who's to say Robert Booth Nichols did not have a murder for hire plot against Danny Castellaro? Robert Booth Nichols knew a lot about Castellaro. They spoke on the phone for hours and hours upon end. They were close. Nichols knew where Danny Castellaro lived. Nichols even talked about buying Castellaro's house. He yeah, knew Castellaro. Plausible. One of the last people uh, in sources that Castellaro met with was Robert Booth Nichols. Was Robert Booth Nichols the one connected to the death of Danny Castellaro? I find that to be very probable. And it, what's even weirder to me is that he was introduced to uh, to Danny by the Hamiltons themselves. Exactly. Is it possible that the Hamiltons... Is it possible that the whole investigation slash, like, slight uncovering of this octopus thing was a cover in itself to, like, cover their tracks? Like, maybe yeah. the government didn't even fucking steal yeah. this shit. Maybe it had to look like a theft from the government for them to do some kind of money transaction. Money is somehow up in the air keeps something in the court systems for some fucking reason, and Nichols is the guy on the inside who's going to do people's dirty work. Hamiltons know that. Hamiltons know this. Yep. They hire him to trail fucking Danny Casolaro, spoon-feed him some info just long enough yep. for, to, to accomplish whatever they needed, and then when it, when it gets too close, boom. And see, nip, him, nip him at the bud. And that's brilliant, Taylor, because what if all this... It's what we talked about with CERN and the LHC. It's what we talked about Bohemian Grove. It's, it's what we've talked about. It's all about the, the, the power of illusion, mm-hmm. the power of distraction. Yeah, people somehow able to set up these cogwheels and see somehow like a chain of movements that's going to happen on down the line, and they can fucking defeat us in chess you know, 10 moves ahead. They can, they can see what we're going to do 10 moves ahead somehow. They probe this. They know that one of five things is going to happen, which is going to motivate this, motivate these other things, and then somehow get get what they want. Yep, one hundred percent. And that's it, like all eyes were off this case. It was it was like the ultimate the it was like the ultimate illusion because the only eyes on the case were Castellaro. Yeah, he was literally interviewing everybody. He had notes of numbers and names he and hotels and all of this. The victim. He became the scapegoat to the yes. Hamiltons, essentially. Yes. Fuck, dude, that makes a lot of sense. It's crazy, but the whole the whole point of this episode, the whole point of the story is that it's not that we're trying to solve the case. It's not no. that we're no, investigators. No, no. Yeah, we're yeah. not trying to come to any conclusion. We're not coming to any conclusion, but the point here with the podcast, with our hypotheticals, is that there, life is like a game of telephone. Mm-hmm. There are fabrications, whether they're, whether they're purposeful, intentional, or not. Fabrications happen in a story. Things change over the course of time. We've seen it with Netflix documentaries. We've seen it with Making a Murderer. We've seen it with The Staircase. We've seen it with 
evil genius. Things change over time because more people come out and they provide pieces of information that were given. And then, like I said, our source had given – I had another I All of this information was given to the police. This is not – this is not illegal information. This is not information. This was t- this was given to, this was turned over to the police. These are police reports that I have. These are just it adds to the oddity that like the police had this information from the actual eyewitness account, right. yet all the official reports have all these other so-called facts that don't seem to really have existed. Exactly. Now, are they straight up lies? Are they just fabrications? Things to try and like make a crime scene appear out of nowhere that they're like, fuck, we we destroyed this crime scene. We suck as police. We gotta go ahead and piece something together, make it seem like he was drunk and had Vicodin in the system. Right. It's you know it's all about that, but it's also about the period of time. I mean, you know, promise was said to be be sold to Iran. As as the police, as the FBI, as the government, if you open up Casalero's, you know, even if he had one folder there, which I don't believe. If he had one folder there and you open up and you see the word promise scribbled all over the place, the last thing you want to do is for this to become public. You want it to become yeah, true. You want it to become as quietly public as possible for the reason being you don't want people to start questioning what you're doing. And Iran and Iraq, we, I mean, we were having major problems with them. In the 90s through yeah. the early 2000s. Home Middle Eastern War. Yeah. I mean, it was a big deal. And after Watergate had happened, that scandal made people question our own government. So it's not like you don't – the last thing you want is journalist murder, suicide. And it did get picked up. I mean, we like we have scans. We have images from different magazines, articles. But it died very quickly. I mean, it probably lasted about a year. Unsolved Mystery aired at 93 and then it was done. And that's it. Yeah, I think they even did a second episode of it, too. Like, yeah. a couple of years later. They reopened the case. I know they reopened the case, I think, in 95. And they went. They got nowhere. They were like, unfortunately, there's not enough evidence we found. I was telling Taylor that I feel like because Castlero was a writer, because his writing was very weird and first-person, very artsy, I feel like he would have been the guy that hid notes in his documents that if that and if if you took it you could connect the dots i'm sure but no one wanted to why would police want to connect the dots no. and why would the people his sources why would they want to continue the investigation and why would journalists want to because yeah, a journalist like, if, was if killed the, yeah if the guy in the head of this investigation is you know he's spearheading all this info he gets killed it's like uh, okay you don't I'm, want any affiliation with it i'm, I'm bound out i'm bound out but that's like you know like Taylor and I were talking about the idea of like as a person though like I know I know ad- you get adrenaline rushes from being in danger and shit like that I mean I've re- <laughs> I ride roller coasters right my heart pounds I know I'm in danger but I have a great time <laughs> like when you That's talk funny. to your first source okay the Hamiltons hook him up with the first source how does that fucking call go like hey this is Danny Kessler oh hi my name's Ron Conchuto. Uh, I'm an arms dealer and I worked on Inslaw and I know some crazy shit that's probably going to get you killed. <laughs> and I got, and I got drugs. And I got mad drugs. Instantly, he becomes a dangerous person and his adrenaline goes up. Like, he's, he's it's an adrenaline rush and he thinks he's like... A, right, like but, so the guy in True Lies, you know, the guy who pees himself? Yeah. He wants to be <laughs> this bad guy, you know, but uh, you, when you get down to it, you can ultimately get yourself killed. But for two years, dealing with these, like, ultra criminals... <sighs> 
I don't know. I, I, Ultra criminals who are still out there playing the game. You know, they you, people you know they've done shit wrong, yet right. somehow they're out here doing it. Like Nichols, you know, it's all hearsay whether he killed anyone or whether he threatened anyone ever. But, dude, how the fuck does this guy get his money? What is he doing? Somebody needs to know this. Right. And he borrowed a ton of it. Isn't that how they get people on, like, tax evasion and stuff? I thought that's how they get bad guys is because they can't explain their, like, mode of income. Yeah. That's how they get all the big crime bosses. Where they are the cops at on this? Come yeah. on, West Virginia. WV! Man. <laughs> if you want to commit a crime, apparently, go to West Virginia. Murder <laughs> cover-ups are easy. <laughs> Martinsburg, West Virginia, home of bring two different shoelaces from bring a shoelace from two different shoes. <laughs> no one can figure I mean, this shit out now. And Logan Lucky, it took like the, like, a, it took like five acts to figure out there was actually FBI investigating a tax fraud for that. You remember that movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took took so long for them even to give a shit in West Virginia about that race car that was like millions of dollars of of money laundering. So right, but with such a political influence in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Was it a choice that the investigation was a little shoddy? Was that a decision? Um, Possibly. In my in my opinion, it's half half luck and half somebody did a pretty good job of uh, staging a suicide, and they just got lucky that these cops were not ready for it. And it's possible that even if the cops were ready for it, if they were L.A. cops or whatever, they they do the show all the time. I mean, New York homicide guy. Maybe they did a good enough job. In the cover-up to where they still wouldn't have been figured out. Who knows? When, and, and, you know, before we wrap this up, there's, two, there's like, one specific piece. That I know, Taylor, do you and I didn't really touch on it, but I know a lot of listeners are thinking, what about the note? Yeah, and wait, I, wait. I, what I about the, the, the stage things that were just there? What? Right. Well, I mean, we don't know. All I have is from our source, like, what, what was— um, yeah, eyewitness account, son. Yeah, eyewitness account. Like, what was contradictory to what was in the report and the reports that are public— but the thing about the note that's that's fascinating is that Castellero was a writer. This man was he would have he, he would not Apparently have written, a very wordy person. He was very wordy, and also he was an Irish Catholic, I believe. He's Irish Catholic. Uh, he wouldn't have ended the note with "I hope you know I'm sure God will or like God will let me in." Yeah. That's not what Castellero would have done, and he wouldn't have written one sentence. Yeah, a wordy person. I mean, if I can make it sound morbid as possible, like. I, if I was in that situation, there'd be a hundred percent fact that I would make it as personal or like, please forgive me, family. Talk about my family, you know, introspection. Talk about things. Now just make it once, then it's boop done. Like, like he yeah, would have planned. written a novel about this. This is like capitalization, like to its finest, or make some way tied into his book or something that yeah. was like. It just doesn't seem like like the, what what was given the note wise just doesn't seem plausible. No, it's too plain. Like and it, and it was you there. go to freesuicidenotes.com, This will be one of the first templates that pops up. Yeah, like it's literally like yeah. There, it's it's just it, and everyone said that. Like even in the the attorneys, uh, his his specific attorney, the whole um, you can search the archives and you can read the the deposition. His attorney stated, "This is not." What Castellero would have done, like this, I'm is, sure his this family not... wouldn't either. Even like he said, like his son in the in the note, whatever he like said, like yeah, yeah he wouldn't have put like, there were any so, of that. There's shit. so many things. I feel like the person that would have staged this would have done a much better job of forging a suicide note. I even the right. things I barely know about, I feel like I would have done a better job than giving one sentence. Yeah, right. I mean, the brother was very adamant on being like, "This is bullshit. This is not even close to something that he would have done." Everything about it seems out of character. It's almost it doesn't like seem like something he would. It's done. almost like um like embarrassing or like um like. Uh, what's the word? Like, um, you're making fun of it because, like, obviously, you're doing a shitty job, like, like staging this because, like, he, they did, like, they didn't encapsulate who he was or what he believed or right. what, what he would have said in his final moments. Right, but anyways. from a writer's perspective, 
if he staged it himself, and it, and it went back to my theory. Oh, he if he if you were if you were staging your own, I make it look like somebody. You would make it look like someone else wrote the note. Yeah, yeah. I'd be you like, did, good, yeah. good, goodbye, friend Bobby. I don't know a Bobby. Right. Like, peace out. Like, yeah, it, I would have said that. Yeah, it, but and the, and the last thing is, as far as the uh, the man showing up, I know the listeners like, but what about the man who showed up with the medal at the funeral? All of our listeners sound that inquisitive. Yes. Nick, oh, what about the man? Oh, sir? I have questions. <laughs> uh, there are two people that that could have been. We don't know what the medal was, but there are two specific people that could have been. There is a man who was associated with... Um, with Booth as well, his name was like Kohler or Kuehler. I can't really pronounce his name. Uh, he kind of came and went. He was a uh, a major. He was a general. Um, he could have showed up. He had he had had multiple calls with Castellaro. He knew what he was trying to do. The major gave him some information. He could have been the one that showed up. Also, uh, apparently, what, what merit is it a, a medal though? Like, and what medal? Like, it could have been like a medal of like something that unknown. they forgot to give to him. Like, if it was like a medal of honor, or if it was like some recognition that was like a high, you know, um, award. What could he have done or uncovered if because he died for it that would have warranted right. a general to show up and do it? Because that's a that's a high fucking praise. Yeah, thing. that kind of yeah. points towards maybe he was murdered and that people close to this investigation knew that he was doing something a very important. And possibly very good for the American people, and this would be something that okay, someone a general would, you know, someone who's very patriotic, and then they would feel the need to honor somebody for that, you know, right? Right. It, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people were were kind of hitting the point and telling him, dude, Cassie, bro, Cassie, Cass, homie, you're doing some crazy shit, <laughs> and you're gonna get killed. <laughs> and this major could have been one that says, you know, I respect what you're doing. I understand, but you're not coming back from this. Yeah. You're going to die from the sun. You're going to die. It's a suicide mission. Exactly. And all it could have been is that Castellero was like, nah, brah, I'm going to, I'm committed. I'm going to, I'm going to follow this through no matter what happens. And he would have been. This is my life's work. As, as the black sheep, he would have had no other reason to like go on. Well, yeah, he would have like, spent his whole other, life like, work. This is it. Like, this is the big case. All or and, nothing. And so, the uh, idea, like, if someone told you you're going to die, you'd be like, all right, come on. Like, I know I'm into some crazy shit, but. Let's be honest here. Yeah. You know, uh, who knows? Ain't nobody gonna kill me. Ain't no, I'm invincible, dog. Just going to the hotel. Just going to the pizza hut. No I'm just going, yeah, going he, to the pizza hut. You know what's kind of funny about this whole thing is that he seemed shockingly cavalier about the whole thing. If I was getting murder threats, if I was like, if I thought that I was into some high shit, if I was talking to drug dealers and, and arms people and, and I was involved in the government, I feel like I would have. In my opinion, a target on my back. Yeah, he's walking into some Sheraton yeah. Hotel, walking up NBD, going to get Pizza Hut, talking to his neighbors about this stuff. Yo, dog, I'm talking about all this crazy shit. Right. And he's, this guy's got balls of steel. I'd be like, like yeah. even I'm on this podcast talking about it, and I'm <laughs> worried like, about, <sighs> yeah. Johnny's like, wearing I, a bulletproof vest right now. <laughs> I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. I'm wearing a, a full mesh armor just in case there's a shark attack. I'm freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Like well, I would say, you know, to be an investigator, one of the things that you have to have, I would imagine, is the ability to talk to people and talk to anyone, and just start striking up conversations with everyone. You just start talking to people while you're having a beer or whatever, and that turns into major intel. Like I'm, yeah, but he I'm was like, like cavalier about it. Like he didn't yeah. even he Taylor, didn't that's how, think he was gonna get. That's killed, how I guess. That's how he met the major who gave him information. Is he was meeting a woman at, at a bar, and he struck up conversation with this major. And that guy ended up being a source for him. And, NBD just right. striking up a conversation with a yeah. But that's ah. what you do as a journalist. But like, as far as you know, having balls of steel, I go back to the Zodiac case and 
he was so obsessed, the the guy who was writing the article, even after he was kicked off, he because he was so obsessed, they kicked him off the story and the investigation. He he had honed in, it's this guy. This is the guy that is the Zodiac killer. This is him. He went by himself to this dude's house. Okay? <laughs> by himself to a guy that probably killed about 40 people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of Yeah, out. yeah. And went alone. And like I think when you reach a point where you're you're so obsessed after two years, I think there's this sort of invincibility that takes over. You've survived this long and you are either the make or break for the situation. You either think you're the shit and you can't die or you're invincible and you're unright. Right. Yeah, and you're the only guy who's got the information to solve this fucking puzzle anyways. So no one's going to listen to you. You just got to do true. it. true. Right. And speaking of information to solve the puzzle, guys, that's what we've given you. Where we hope we've given you today is that we've empowered you with a semi-informative podcast, a semi-informative episode to empower you to do more investigations and let us know what you think. You know, what do you think happened? Send us your theories. You know, if you... If you got a hypothetical you want us to talk about, hmm. or a thought you'd like us to share, or think about, or think about, great news, you can shoot us an email at hybrothoughts at gmail.com. And who knows, maybe we'll bring it back up and like, we'll talk about we your this hypothetical. One. This was the essentially a correlation of somebody sending us an email exactly. of, of a source. Yeah, we'll do you know, we'll we'll quote you. We'll uh send us some cool shit to talk about. Send us cool shit. Uh, Not like we don't have enough, because I know you guys have way oh, more than we need. So much stuff. But if you guys want something specifically, so many. let us know. Uh, uh, send us emails. Tell us what you want to receive in a surprise box from the Hybros with our logo on it. Fuck yeah, dude. Tell us what weird items would be cool. Uh, or, we'll, or we'll shock your friends. Tell us something to send to one of your friends and we'll do a surprise we'll send you box. <laughs> also, make sure to head over to the Facebooks and give us a like at facebook.com slash hybrotheticalthinking for more content throughout the week. Uh, videos, cool stuff. And you know what? Since this felt like a big episode to us, uh, I'm going to go ahead and announce it right now. You're announcing it? We're going to announce it. Guys, we're going to be in Orlando in August. What? August August 10th and 11th. Fuck yeah. We're going to have a booth at the Walker Stalker Con. It's a hypothetical booth. booth. Fuck yeah. Come on by. We're going to have a little fun spin wheel. You can win some real cool shit that we're not going to talk about yet. Fuck yeah. Um, we're going to have a shirt designed to sell that you can only get at the Walker Stalker Con in Orlando. Exclusive. Boy. And we're going to have what we, we're we calling and still figuring out a hybro chamber to which you the can step inside. Chamber. We'll be giving you a hypothetical. And you know what? You can talk about it for two minutes and you'll be featured on an episode of Hypothetical Thinking. So if you live in Orlando or are planning on traveling down to the con, come check us out. Say hello. We'll be there. Um, and it's going to be a good time. Yeah, Give us high fives because we're good at it. High gonna, fives. Oh, we're very good at high fives. It's all in the elbow. A lot of people there. It is. It's all about the eye contact and the elbow. We're going to do a lot of stuff down there. We're really stoked about it. A lot of people are going to be there. And I am just so excited to do something live, essentially, in front of people. And I know some people that are going to be there. That They're going to be fucking stoked to even be a part of this whole entire situation. Let alone my dad, who's on the other podcast. It's an anonymous person. The more and more we talk about Kevin Beckford, Danny Coughlin, people that we know that are invested in this podcast, yeah. the more cool it's going to be. It's so much more inclusive and like encompassing of people than they want to be a part of it. I'm sorry, I'm getting so Everything that this. Johnny said. I don't know what he said, but yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of words. I'm sorry, but I'm just so excited. I'm uh, so excited. I wonder if Beckvar is going to be there. I hope so. Oh, we fucking better be, dude. Uh, also, make sure, guys, if you're listening to on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever the fuck you're listening. What the fuck, dude? Uh, make sure to go find that little five star, that thumbs up, and just give it a five. Uh, high five that five star, because you know what? You're going to get us closer to reaching that top 100 spot. Uh, that might never happen, because <laughs> we're still sitting at 19 reviews, but there can be 20. If one of you just go give us a five-star, type a nice little review that 
talks about some the crazy shit we talk about, and you could be featured on our website in the quote section. Well, I don't think you you could. You probably will be. You definitely <laughs> oh, will dude, be. Give us that twentieth like that twentieth uh, review, and I guarantee you, if you show up in Orlando, you'll get twenty high fives. Twenty high fives. From each of us. From each of us. That's 60 high fives, guys. Double high fives. That's 60 high That's fives. 120 high fives. Woo. We'll count you it out. You can redeem those at any time. Yeah. That's true. Like once a day for 120 days. Yeah. Well, well I mean, you have to, you'd have to come to us. but yeah. <laughs> It's pretty uh, doable. It's doable. Also, make sure to check out our brand new highbrotheticalthinking.com. That's highbrotheticalthinking.com. Uh, we have so much stuff to plug. This, this outro gets longer and longer every time. But make sure to check out that website. We got some cool shit. We're going to have a shop up soon. And guys, thanks for still listening. This is episode 16. It's crazy. Um, many more to come. We're super excited about it. And we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Even though you can't, we can't actually hear you. Um, I can hear them. In your head, Johnny? Yeah, I can hear everybody in my head. Johnny. 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 <laughs> well, let's not go that far, but that makes me feel good, guys. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, guys, I have been, uh, hopefully will always be, if I don't get fired from this podcast, uh, been uh, one of your hosts, Nick Floyd. Ain't nothing you can do about it, people. I'm going to keep being me, just Taylor old Nelson. As long as the government doesn't kill me, I'm going to remain Johnny Clark. And if I don't, you guys know, you know I didn't kill myself. The government did it. You best believe The last person to say that. Yeah, just don't have shoestrings, ashtrays, plastic bags, or razor blades near you, and we'll be able to figure it out. You guys know who I am. You know where Any I of those things family. are near you. <laughs> I, guys, I promise Mystery I, will remain. I'm a good person, heavy person. Nothing's going to happen. I swear to God, I'm sane. If I die, it wasn't me. It was, it was either a shark or the government. Fact, uh, a shark on land with legs. <laughs> oh, dude, don't scare me. <laughs> a street shark, if you will.